You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to In the Open with America and Teresa. Hi, everyone. We are finishing up our entire podcast. So these will be our last two episodes for ever, unless we start the podcast over again. (laughs) Today is I can stop being negative, which I struggled with how to type this. We've had sort of similar podcasts before where we talked about the power of positivity or hope. Mm -hmm. We have an episode in the past about having hope or building hope. So I wanted to touch on some of those similar topics, but this was really like, I'm going to stop being negative. It's a different frame of reference, I think. Yeah, like sort of different than the spectrum of I'm going to choose to be positive. (laughs) It's sort of the same, but also a little different. Yeah, the toxic positivity piece of like, choose hope. Yes, those are all good things. I'm not knocking any of that. But there is a different conversation that I think we want to have around making the decision to stop being negative because that's like the impetus yeah. for all the things. And I think America, when we were talking about this generally before, I was asking you like, do you think that you're a positive versus negative person? Right? Like yes, on a yes. scale from one to 10, zero being like the worst, most negative person that you can think of all the way to 10 is like the most hopeful, positive person Where's your normal stance? I would say like between like six and seven. Six and seven? Yeah, six and seven. I fluctuate between those two. Where do you think most people are? I think if we were being honest, there is a lot of hope. People tend to have hope. Uh-huh. And that leads them to be maybe like at a six or seven, but they, they're not comfortable in sharing that. Because it may come off like, uh, whatever, you just can't be in a negative space, you know? Yeah. You're like the, what is it? There's all these words for like positive queen and positive. And it's just like, what? Yeah. No, it's just. I know. Or the Debbie Downer or the negative Nancy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So if I'm at a six or seven, where are you? Well, I mean, the the spectrum is like z- like zero to ten. So I think most people are at five. Like if you just average out humanity, we're at five. But if yeah, I yeah. say my my normal stance, <laughs> it it even pains me to say it because the pressure to not be this I feel. But I I would say at my at my normal, I'm probably a four. At your normal, you're a four. Yeah, like when I'm at my normal, I'm a four. And when I'm at my best, I'm probably where you are. I'm at a six at my best. I cannot say that I have felt what it feels like to be at a nine or an eight. I meet people like that and I'm I'm sometimes jealous. Like, what does that feel like? And I want to be around them because I can tell that they're their energy I can feed off of to help me get more of that feeling. But I'm not there. I'm like normally at a four. And when I'm in a depressed episode, I can get bad. Like I'm down to a one, mm. you know, in See, a, like in an on, on my worst days, I'm at a four. 
like three, four. Yeah. I haven't been down to a one. And I'm trying to think of someone who is really positive and not one person comes to mind because, and this might, this would just be the, the lenses which I'm looking through. I, I frankly don't believe that people are just like nines and tens all the time. It's like, no, 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 not all the time. But you know, okay, so an example, an example for me is like, I have, maybe it's because I'm a social worker, but I've, lot, I've met a lot of people who've gone through really difficult challenges. Like some of the most horrific stories that I would, I've heard, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's not a judgment statement because it's something inside our brains. I mean, I'm not trying to make myself depressive and a poo-poo, you know, like I'm not trying to be such a curmudgeon, but I, I meet people who've experienced enormous trauma and somehow their, their framework, their resiliency, the way they talk about it, whether they haven't let themselves or whatever, whether the positivity is a coping skill, they're pushing that way. They're surviving by always trying to turn lemons into lemonade. <laughs> and it's it's amazing to watch. But I also have enormous empathy for the people who don't have that in their brain, that, that it's like harder. Like, in fact, I empathize with that, how much harder it is when you've experienced trauma and your brain is inclined to just like want to hold on to the darkest parts of that you know and to me that's kind of reflective of the spectrum that makes sense it it does make sense but you know what's happening within me it's it's this feeling of oh my god am I not as hopeful as I think that (laughs) I am but like I would I I really cannot think of one person that takes kind of the frame that you've taken. I would love to be able to speak to them yeah, and ask, well, all this stuff has happened. How do you keep going? How do you How keep do- going? They say like, what What other alternative do I have? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they could, they, that's their coping mechanism. It doesn't diminish the fact that they've experienced enormous trauma. It's fair to acknowledge that that skill, that ability is a protective factor. Those people, even though they've experienced really horrific things, they are doing better because I think there's something like there's a battle in this negative and positive framework that's also tied to like reality. Like sometimes I struggle with my negativity because I'm like, well, I'm negative, but I'm a realist. And and that's been that's in research. People are like, yeah, people who are b- depressed tend to be more realistic mm-hmm. be- because I do think that that in the positive frame, there's a bit of you have to believe in positivity and even if it's not real or like bound up in reality because hope is what keeps us going. Yeah. Hope and positivity I, like equals survival. I feel that my normal tendency to try to put these things in order and to just be like what you're saying a plus b equals d because all these things right and then my brain is like that 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 can't compute and so where i'm coming up with this idea is my brain is telling me yes these things may have happened to a person and they are still choosing to have a hopeful view of the future, even the next day. And then my negative brain is like, but are they really being honest about what's happened to them? 
<laughs> and that's that counterplay is something that I have to work very hard at saying, stop. Mm. It's okay. You don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. You just need to have hope. That's it. Yeah. That there's a part of your brain that is the skeptic. I'll call it the skeptic. Uh-huh. Yeah. That is is that's your negative bent. Like if you're gonna slide into a four, your skeptic has yes. taken over. Yes. Yeah. That's that's very very good. Very good. Yeah. It's important to know our risks. Like what's the framework that gets us to slip down versus what's the framework in our mind that allows us to step forward to have hope. Because I don't I don't I don't think for everybody it's like the skeptic. Like. Shame propels me into positivity as much as shame propels me into negativity. In the moments where I am lingering and my skeptic is like, come this way, you'll feel better over here. I will go and seek out positivity like baby animals, small children laughing, you know, things like that, that it, it one it's doing something to your brain you're getting dopamine hits right like ah, yes and that helps win over like the balance is more on the positive side and so even though i can't necessarily control the negative thoughts yeah and be able to squish them yeah i'm hoping that the positivity that i'm seeing will come in and be like stay puff and be like I'm coming in and staying here yeah I love that you're bringing back your little baby animal thing because I have not been able to stop thinking about you since you shared about your little your little guy that you bought oh yeah my little mouse yeah and because it totally ties into this thing that like the reason why I'm a four and I it's so easy for me to slide into a one is I haven't built up things in my toolbox that I give enough effort to, to help pull me from a four to a six regularly. Like if I ask myself like, well, why don't you give yourself gifts? Or like, why don't you take care of yourself? Like at the most basic, I know this has come up for us. Like, why don't you mm-hmm. take care of yourself? And and that that's the shame, right? The shame is making me say, well, you don't deserve that baby creature that you're going to have joy with (laughs) or like it's a waste of money Mm -hmm. but I've learned to take the shame and be like you should have shame that you're not taking care of yourself and in the last week I bought two things for myself and I never purchased things for myself and I'm like when I get this in the mail I'm gonna wear it that's fabulous I'm gonna sit in it I'm gonna tell myself I deserve this (laughs) I'm going to tell myself I am loved. It's not a waste of money. <laughs> I am not. What, I, what is it? Like, it's not, it's not just that it's a waste of money. Like, it's like, it's a judgment in my brain. Like, if yeah. you buy this and you're wasting money, then you're trash. Like, you are contributing to the worsening of the world. <laughs> right. You're, it's the, neg- it's the negative justification. Mm-hmm. that you're looking for it's like of course you can't you should buy this you know because you don't deserve it <laughs> whatever you shouldn't even be even looking at this thing yeah didn't shouldn't even be looking why yeah, yeah. exactly i do i do have those thoughts yeah. in my brain because your happiness doesn't matter but i'm saying to you even a tiny bit if it makes you a tiny bit happy 
and helps you hold on to that little piece that can guide you to the next level, it's worth the money. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is where it gets hard though. Cause I have friends, I have family and I have people I've worked with who hoard mm-hmm. <laughs> or have like shopping problems. And I think also because I lived a life with addiction, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm a little scared about like going into that space. Yeah. Like I'm afraid I, cause I can even see like, I don't collect things I have to spend money on, but I have a problem with free stuff. Oh, yes. I have people in my life that way too. Yes, It's like, great. My husband gets so mad. He's like, why have you collected junk? But it's also, but it's also setting specific parameters too, babe. One of the things you were talking about is taking care of yourself. And I'm talking about this little, you know, stuffed little mouse that I found that made me super happy. But there's other ways to take care of ourselves that are not tied to the purchasing of an item or receiving something. It is also about like you being able to give yourself 10 minutes in a quiet room just because you need it. Yeah. Or even for me, kind of being aware mm-hmm. is 80% of the thing. Right. So for example, it makes so much sense now why I don't shop and purchase things, but I do like to window shop. What, what, what is it doing for you to do that? Like it's giving me the same dopamine hits without the shame of the purchase. Mm-hmm. but And then I can still practice how to purchase without the shame responsibly. So yeah, I feel in that. the past, I never purchased stuff. And now I'm like, okay, no, give yourself the thing. Go ahead and buy it. But you're not reckless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you awareness how to do things responsibly. And then I need to get rid of like picking up free stuff. Like, no, that's not always good either. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I do feel that. This, this collection of like art supplies, you're never going to use just because it was free. Like you need to give that to someone who's going to use it. But you know, there's this other aspect to this conversation and I hadn't thought about it until you're kind of talking about this. It's also being able to receive what others are willing to give to you. Mm, Oh my gosh, that took me so long to learn. Yeah. And you know, when somebody's like, I'll come by and I'll take care of your kids for for a night if you want it. Yeah. Or, oh, don't worry, you know, I'll walk your dog or call me if you need anything. And then it's like, oh, I'll never call you. Thanks for offering, but I'll never call you. But that's also another way of taking care of yourself, right? To be able to say, I do actually need this. I have been offered the help and you receiving it. Yeah. Why is that one so hard? I, the first time it was slapped in my face, it was, I was, I was almost 20. So I was old. I was rejecting help all around and a mother of one of my friends was like, when you do that, you are robbing me of the gift of giving. Wow. <laughs> she took my shame and she flipped it on the other side so fast. And I felt shame. I was like, oh, I'm robbing you of pleasure. And now I feel guilt. And that's going to push me to accept to engage help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because if that's the start, 
at least I could see that for what that is because it's true. It's like every time I was rejecting people or not letting them help me, I robbed them of that gift that they want to give. And I never thought about it that way. I think, though, it ties back to this idea that you were mentioning before about shame, judgment, when where we can't stop being negative is with all this judgmental in inner talk that goes through our brain that's telling us you don't deserve it the way you're thinking is great don't worry nobody's going to question it your view is the right view nothing else matters and what we're saying today is actually we can we can stop that yeah we can make the effort to say no it's happening let me think about baby animals and wonderful unicorns or whatever and then reframe so that you can go into the space that's going to be more positive, better for you in, a, in you know, different ways. Yeah. And in treatment, we call that like stepping into the wise mind and not mm-hmm. the irrational mind. But I, I do think that for most of us, finding what that irrational fixed thought is, is a big key. Because like for me, it's tied to worth, like I'm worthless. But I've also worked I have like people in my life who that thing is like, you can't be a failure. Like you can't Mm -hmm. ask for help because you need to be strong or you need to like carry all that responsibility by yourself. And if you can't ask for help, then you're a failure. Like I don't have those feelings, but I know a lot of people do or like just obligation, responsibility, expectations. um, Yes, yes, yes. What's what's expected of you, but also the what will they say, which is a judgment. Well, what will others think of me if I choose this? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's all coming back to um, judgment, vulnerability, how you're putting so- yourself out there. And the ability to also then recognize like when we make mistakes and to be able to say, okay, yeah, I misjudged that. Um, I'm sorry, whatever. Yeah. How about, do you, okay, because there's also a really negative side of negativity that where I struggle with this because even saying it out loud, I'm like so uncomfortable because I I don't think I'm like this, but I have to be honest that I have a very high risk of being this because it's in my family to do so, but being the martyr, Uh, playing victim. Yeah. And I'm sure my thoughts can slide into this space. But what's the alternative if you're not the martyr? Well, if you're not the martyr, then you, well, it's interesting. My brain automatically went to like, if you're not the victim and you're not playing victim, then you're the one that's leading. You're the one with all the answers. You're the solution. That's where my brain went. You know why? Because my viewpoint and my tendency, right, is when there's something that is happening, Mm-hmm. direction will be like well america will ha- be america will be able to help mm. and so i'm standing there like oh well i guess i have to find all the answers well like what what does resonate with me with your flip there is like if i stop seeing myself as the victim then it changes my perspective from being passive and being on a train i can't control and when you said be the leader Mm-hmm. It it does trigger this part. Like, you're not a victim. You choose. You make the decision. You get mm-hmm. off this train. Mm-hmm. You decide where you get off the stupid train. <laughs> yeah. 
You decide your ability to get on the other train and move in the other direction. And you know what you need to do to start doing that. And the first thing to do is the awareness to get off the stupid train. (laughs) Like stop beating yourself up. Stop letting your thoughts take you down that path. Get off the train, get on the other way. Even if you stand on the podium, the platform, and you right. watch You've all already, the train, yes. at, least, at least you stopped, you know? Yep. And, and that does decision. resonate with me. You're like, yep. okay, the opposite of victimhood is control. The opposite of victimhood is is power. Like, mm-hmm. where do I have the power? I really, I do think that's true. I do really like that. And I think that's, that's where we get into this space. And for me, that's where I have to get into and I try to practice that is stop, don't think that, let's think something else. And so that practice of, it's continuous, (laughs) it is continuous, you know, so you have to literally stop your brain and say, am I thinking about this the right way? Yeah. Wait. And when you, when you start recognizing that your thought patterns are going to lead you down this pathway of cynicism. Yeah. Anger, yeah, resentment, blame, judgment. That's why we go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Truth, truth. Yes. No, I have in my life literally had to speak out loud, tell myself, stop, 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 especially Mm -hmm. at night. Are there specific times that you're more likely to be negative than others? I mean, when I'm overly tired and stressed that's when tired stressed hungry yeah. angry <laughs> yeah. yeah totally yeah if i got into a fight and then and then nighttime is that is that could lead you to have some of the struggles that you have in like sleeping oh no 100% they're tired yeah. 100% yeah. <laughs> yeah because some people will say oh when i'm showering or on a drive or whatever and i find that i I've learned to cope around those things because I'll focus on something else. So I don't let the negative thoughts enter my brain. But there's something about my nighttime ritual that I, I created this habit where at the nighttime, I that's when I would review the mm-hmm. whole day. <laughs> and I would start thinking about tomorrow. <laughs> and it would be like the spiral of nighttime shamery. <laughs> Dude. Know? That's so heavy for you to do that and like go through your list of all the things that I didn't do right today. Yeah, and all the things I'm going to do wrong tomorrow or all the things that are going to go wrong tomorrow. <laughs> and it, it's wild. I don't think I – I mean, I have anxiety in my family, like hard anxiety, which is why we also have really hard addiction issues in my family. But I was talking to my son, and he he was sharing with me that he – it's like he could not sleep. He's eight. He needs to go to bed at nine you know and last night I was up with him to like 10 p.m and he's like I can't sleep and like just finally talked to him about what was and he's doing the same thing at eight years old he's doing the same thing that I do I'm like oh my gosh you see it you know like the patterns and so I'm only thinking about this today because I'm like reflecting on the way that I had to walk him through (laughs) these are our brains and like we have to practice believing in reality, you know, like in some reality or like what your rational brain is versus your wise brain. Your wise brain says you have friends. Your wise brain says it's not all going to go to crap, you know. <laughs> I think the the ideas that we're laying out here and our ability 
to be able to stop the negative thinking, it starts one with like really understanding what the triggers are and being aware of what that does to you. You know, certain words that automatically are like, oh, I'm on fire now because, you know, or, you know, me saying like, Teresa, you should buy that. And you're like, oh, I can't. And you go down the spiral. And so being aware of that, I think, is is one of the first steps. And then the other thing that you said that really is important, and, and I've mentioned this, the practice of it. This is one of the hardest things to stop your brain and flip it. Flip it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that is basically all of therapy. (laughs) It is. It is. You work constantly at doing that so that you're able to recognize it. And then I don't know. The third thing for me is is finding something that truly changes, helps to change your mind frame. That's what I'm saying. Like baby Mm. animals, pretty things. For me, those things work. I'm going to call those your values. Okay. Because I bet if I asked you, like, why the baby animal? Like, what do you value? Is there something in there? No, they're cute and cuddly. They're just, like, so beautiful and innocent. And they're just like, oh, look. You just love cuteness. Yes. There are a lot of people I know who are like that. They love cuteness. I love that you love cuteness. Yes. I don't know that I could ever look at something cute and get the joy from cuteness like you get. I know I don't have that in me. So what what is your thing? My my thing is comfort. I love to be cozy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so when I found that I did let myself buy something, it was always coziness. Okay. And I do. When I get cozy, I am in max joy. Okay. Yeah. But that's important, right? I mean, that's and that's like it's important for you to figure out where your value, like what brings you that feeling, you know, and not to ignore those things or withhold yourself from getting those things. But finding finding where those exist within your availability, you're like, but I do think it helps to be able to identify it because until you told me about your little cute mouse, Mm -hmm. I, I was like, huh, I don't think I spent time thinking about what brings me that kind of happiness. And because I wasn't thinking about it, I was not active control. I was just living life. You know, I was not able to practice gratitude in a meaningful way that rebuilt my brain because I was just too everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, okay, no, wow. One of these practices around awareness is like, know your values and and honor that. Honor mm-hmm. that. Give it the time and space to fill your body and your brain to build the reservoir of positivity. Oh, I like that. It only took us like four years of weekly podcasts and therapy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. So listen, y'all, we'll be back with um, our final episode next week. But in the meantime, keep fighting in the open. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.